boldly so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Of need. Number one, let me ask you how many have some needs. We're, we're going to do a show of hands tonight um, session. Uh, so we, we have needs, amen? And how many believe what, what the scripture says, that we're allowed to come boldly into the throne of grace for everything that we need, that we might find grace and mercy when we need it most? Knowing that, realizing that, call, in, call into mind what Pastor preached about the other day, about Esther going before the throne of the king, right? Going in boldly. So let's go in boldly for just a second. If you could bow with me for an ending prayer. God, we, we love you. We thank you. We come before your throne boldly because we stand under the blood of Christ. We stand under the blood of Christ, which means we are redeemed, we are cleansed. We seek first your kingdom. And as we seek your kingdom, God, we ask that you would give us boldness in the time that we need it. I, we ask, God, that we, you would give us healing. We ask that you would give us the victory over anything that might come at our lives. We ask that you would give us confidence against our enemy, that we would realize the, the armor that we have on. God, help us to realize the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit that you have equipped us with that we are to use in this world. Help us to realize that right now, God. Help us to take up those weapons every single day and help the body of believers that's in this world, not only in this church, but in this world. I pray, God, that in teachers, you would give them a boldness to be able to share their faith, to be able to share the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ with the people they come in contact with. I ask that you would give Christian politicians the boldness to put into effect laws that are glorifying to you and to share their faith anytime they get the chance as much as they possibly can, realizing that the, the law of God is greater than the law of man. God, help us in every work area that we would have boldness to share our faith, that we would have boldness to, to, to trust in what you've done, that it is not just for us, but it is for everyone that we come in contact with. God, I pray for healings, not only in the whole body of Christ, but specifically in this church. We know that you are a good God, and we know that you are a great and mighty God, that your ways are above our ways, and that your thoughts are above our thoughts, that you know the best path for us. And so we ask that every person in this uh, in this house tonight, and, and every person that's a part of this body, we know that you are the healer. We know that you have the ability. We know that you can speak, and it is done. And we just ask that you would help us to line up in your will, that your will would be done so that you could get the glory out of every situation in our lives. We thank you for it in your name. Amen. Amen? Amen. Well, good evening. How are you guys? Good? Do I have to do another show of hands? Are we good? We're good. Amen. Um, well, tonight, um, Pastor... Um, Sister Sandy and Alexa, um, and actually Tyler as well, they're at a conference um, somewhere in a state that I can't remember. Um, we miss them, we love them, uh, we hope they're having a good time. How many had a good time with Stephen Sherwood this past Sunday? Amen? Amen. I almost threw my hip out, so I'm going to tell him, be careful next time he comes. Uh, Jackson has been, uh, has been imitating him all week, so his playing has got a lot more um, he went. He went from he went from the very calm sort of sort of Tyler worship leader to the 
kick my leg out sort of Stephen thing going on. So uh, he's going to be well-rounded when he gets old. That's all I'm saying, okay? He's going to be well-rounded. Um, well, I'll tell you what. We have Sean Strong coming up. How many is excited to see Sean again? Amen. It's always a great time to spend time with Sean. Uh, he's going to be here this upcoming weekend, right? Yeah, he's going to be here this upcoming weekend on days that I can't remember. I think he's going to be at Tyler's on Saturday, correct? He's going to be in Revelation Church on Saturday, and then he's going to be here on Sunday. Amen? And Friday night here as well. So Friday night here, Saturday night, Revelation, and then uh, Sunday night here as well, just like Michael Dinigan was. Amen? Amen. And let me tell you this. Um, once I'm done with my teaching, um, all of this announcement mode and all of this remember things to do mode is going to fly straight out of my, my brain. So let me tell you this. Um, by the end of service, if you feel led, we have these baskets up here uh, if you want to give to the work of God. Uh, you can also see Deja in the back. You can bother her at any time. She's not busy, okay? <laughs> I want to hear that little laugh. Amen? Happy to be in the house of God. S satisfied in the goodness of God. Are we, are we, do we still all have the ability to smile? Let's start with Steve and go across the room. We all do? Amen? All right. If you could uh, get your, your Bibles, I'd like to go to uh, John 13. John 13. Um, so if you've, hear, if you've heard from me from, uh, I don't know, it's been like three months, um, any time that you've heard from me in the past three-ish months, uh, most of what I've been talking about is kind of exposing a couple different false doctrines that have come into the church and that have come into the world, um, really, really focusing on those and hitting those hard and, and showing uh, biblically how they're inaccurate, how they're unsound, things like that. Um, let me tell you what, the last, the last um, sermon that I preached a couple weeks ago, uh, we started out with 1 Peter 3.15 where it says, always be ready to give a defense for your faith. Always be ready to give an answer for the faith that you have in Jesus Christ. We talked about how we need to know this stuff. We have to have it in our heart so that we're able to share it with those people around us. Amen? The, the, the practice of what that's called in, in, the, in the world today, it's called apologetics. It means knowing what you stand for, being able to fight for what you believe in, Okay? And so if I've been preaching on it for three months, that means that my YouTube feed is full of it for the past three months, okay? That's just how I work, okay? Um, I like to research a lot of stuff, and it pops up and pops up. Some of what I've seen, and I'm not recanting what I've said, but some of what I've seen has made me so sick to my stomach. So sick to my stomach. So, so sick to my stomach, okay? Let me explain myself. John 3, or sorry, John 13 Go to John 13, starting in verse 34. Everyone say amen when we're there. Amen. That must mean it's on the screen. <laughs> You're allowed to laugh tonight, okay? John 13, 34. A new commandment I give you. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you that you also love one another. Verse 35, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Here's where it gets sketchy in the world today. We got one of two sides. We either have everything goes, right? 
which is kind of what I've been coming against in the past couple of months where it's like, no, we can't have everything goes. We have to make sure that there are some foundations that are solid, right? So you have over here where it's everything goes. And then you also have over here where it's I'm the only single person in the world that's right and everybody else is dumb. And you get to see a lot of that when you research as much as I've researched in the past three months. And Jesus says, listen, people aren't going to know that you're my disciples because you have everything right. People are not going to know you're my disciples because you can win arguments and because you can win debates. And because you can pick apart every single church in the world and tell them how they're dumb. That's not why, how they're going to know that you're my disciples. And you're, they're also not going to know that you're my disciples by just tolerating everything. That's not what he says. What does he say? We just read it a second ago. How is he going to know it? Read it with me in verse 35. By this, let's read it together. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Where's the middle ground here? Where's the middle ground? Because we have divided over way too many dumb things. We as the church have divided over way too many dumb things that do not matter. Absolutely do not matter. Okay? Amen? Amen. We, we have, we've gotten so obsessed, so crazy, and so compulsive about being right that we've forgotten that there's a world that's dying. We've gotten so obsessed with making sure that everything that we say is how it should be so that, you know, we can live our best life and our most blessed life and that we can be the one that's right and they can be the one that's wrong. How many know that Jesus said that he came to save the sinner, that he came to heal the sick and to mend those who were broken? So, so for just a minute, after my three months of yelling, no, 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 separate from wrong doctrine, separate from this, separate from that, let's pause for a minute, let's get down out of our high-minded thoughts that we're all correct, and let's just think for just a second about the, the goodness and the grace that Jesus has brought for everyone. Can we do that? Everyone. How many believe that Jesus died for everyone? Do, does anybody know John 3.16? Right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, but believes in him, right? Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life, period. You know, and we always want to preface it and be like, oh, no, 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 but this, 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 not that, that. I get it. I get it. We have, to, we have to be secure about some things, but for just a minute, let's get down to the, to the ground level. Let's get back down to earth and remember who we are. All of us were sinners. I'm, I mean, I was, I, come on. Was anybody even perfect today? No. No, without God's grace, we're, we're worthless. Our righteousness is as filthy rags, is what scripture says. The, there's no one good. Everyone has turned away. Everyone has, has forsaken God. So why do we think that we're just oh so special that we can just kick everybody on, uh, down the curb? Why is it? Why? I don't get it. I don't either. But I so many times I see to myself. I see to myself this if there's if I've probably said this before, but if there's ever a sermon that 
I need to work on, that I need help in, this is it. This is it. 100%. I believe that that's true for so many people across the board. Because I want to say, you know, we'll know each other by our, our love, and the world will know us by our love. And I want to say it, and it sounds so good, and it sounds just so kumbaya, you know what I mean? But as soon as that one person who you think is doing better than you are falls a little bit and slips a little bit, why do we get a smile on our face? Why do I get a smile on my face? Whenever I'm struggling, right? Because we're, we're, we're so much about comparison. Whenever I'm struggling and, and, and this person is, you know, he's just, he's doing good. He's doing great. The Lord's blessing him. He's up here singing way better than I ever could. And I'm over here, you know, having a bad day and going through all these struggles in my life. Let's not play. Can we, can we be real? Again, you don't have to do the show of hands because I know that we're, we're already shocked, right? Let's be real. There are some times that in our flesh, we'd feel a little bit better if that person just got knocked down a few pegs. Talking to the wall or am I talking to a people? Amen? It, we'd feel a little bit better. We'd feel a little bit better if I was just a little bit more theologically correct than that person. If I knew the spirit of God just a little bit more than that person, if if you know, I, I, I stayed more holy than that person did for a little bit. I would just feel real good, and I'd really feel close to God, and I'd really get those goosebumps, right? Amen. I guess it's just me. I'm preaching to myself. That's fine. Um, but that's not what Jesus says. He's not like, be better than everybody else. He specifically says, you who want to be the greatest in the kingdom of God must become the least. And if you want to be a leader, you've got to take the towel, if you want to if you want to win the nations you got to wash the feet. Amen. So why are we kicking people at the door? Why do we do that? Why are we so this is crazy. We see celebrities saved, right? We see celebrities confess their faith and I still feel this way. So this is I'm pinpointing one of my issues, right? And I I pray that it's not a big issue for the church, but I think it is. We see these celebrities get saved, right? And they're, they're confessing Jesus. And the first thing we do, it's not hand clap with heaven. It's, oh, let's see, let's see how long it lasts. Let's see how long it lasts. I said it yesterday, man. I'm preparing for this message. And in my heart, I said it yesterday. I'm like, what am I doing? Right? Matthew McConaughey. He, I, I, I don't know where his faith is. I, I have no idea. But I just stumbled across a video of him yesterday where he's reciting scripture. The first thing my mind thinks is, oh, but the movies he's in, you know, oh, but well, just wait, just wait, just, you know, just wait. Because I'm more holy than he is and I have it more figured out than he is. What does scripture say? There is joy in heaven. The angels rejoice. They go crazy when one sinner repents. That's it. One sinner repents. And, and heaven goes nuts, and we say, hmm, well, well, I've been serving God for 45 years, and I don't know, I'm not even 45. <laughs> I'm way under 45. I'm going to say that whenever I'm old. That's what I'm going to sound like, just in case you guys are wondering. Um, say, well, you know, I, I got this all figured out, and that Matthew McConaughey, well, that... You know, th this guy or, you know, sister so-and-so that comes into the church and she, 
she was over there on her Instagram story the other day posting all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. And then we see him at the altar in tears in our eyes and we're like, yeah, okay, we'll see. We know how they are. We'll see. Am I hitting anywhere closer to home? Am I in anybody's mail other than my own? Amen? Are we still breathing? Amen. We can't get so caught up in, in, in what we know and how good we are and how holy we are that we kick people down. That we are, are, are on the pedestal and everyone that can't reach my pedestal is just not worthy of the grace that I've received, right? That they, you know, man, Jesus, I know that I was a sinner. I know that I was this. I know that I was that. But do you see that person? At least I wasn't like them. I, you know, I'm a good person. I do this. I give in the offering. I, I you know, I tithe. I, I, I try to do my best for, for the work of God. But that person, mm, I hope God has mercy on them. I sure hope God has grace on them. Right? Come on now. We need another scripture, don't we? <laughs> Why do we smile when we fall? Do we forget that we are the body of Christ? Do we forget that the church is being built up, that the cornerstone is Christ, and all of you have become living stones that are being built up into the temple of God? That's scripture, okay? That we're all being built into the temple of God, but whenever we see somebody fall, we're so exuberant and we're so happy, and oh yeah, that person left the church, but mm, I know how they are. I know how this and I know how that. Do we realize what we're doing to the body? That the, the temple of God is supposed to be sacred. And that when we come against the, the brothers and sisters in Christ, in this body, to your left, if you could look to your left. Steve, that's, is that your left? That, yeah, that's backwards for me. If you could look to your left, if you could look to your right. When you come against them, when, when, when they're just, you know, I'm good and they, they just don't know what they're talking about. Whenever you're excited to see someone else fall, you are destroying the body of Christ. You're destroying the temple of God, and the temple of God is sacred. You don't touch the sacred things of God. You don't. That's, this is where we get into some real big issues. Yes, we have to divide against people that, that are just completely blatantly against Christ. The scripture makes it clear. We have to. That's the reason why I spent the last couple of months talking about it. People that are just 100%, they deny the, the, that Jesus is the Son of God. Okay, They deny that there was a virgin birth. They deny the necessity of salvation. They deny the power of the blood. They deny the, the necessity of the church. They deny grace, faith. They deny Christ. we got to separate from that stuff. Can we be... Can, has anyone heard anything that I said over the past three months? Yes, we do have to separate from that stuff. But stop separating over the, the little stuff. Stop it. Stop. Paul said this, right, in, in 1 Corinthians 1.10. Let's go there. 1 Corinthians 1.10. Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ... That you all agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. 
For I have been informed concerning you, my brothers, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this. This is what was happening. Each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. So they're all getting these little factions separated when they're all teaching the same thing. Okay, they're all holding to the essential doctrines. They're all giving all glory to God by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone. Amen. They're all sticking to what's essential. And the people are just, they just like to divide. We just like to divide. They say, I'm of Paul. I got baptized by Paul. I'm of Cephas, um, which was Peter. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Christ alone, you know. And we get these little factions and these little divisions over the dumbest little stuff. Amen? And Paul says this in 13. Has Christ been divided? Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you. Was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And then he goes to say this. I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. He got so fed up with division in the church. He said, I'm just glad that I didn't even baptize you guys. We take this very lightly. But Paul took this very seriously. He's like, I'm glad that I didn't even baptize you so that you don't cause little divisions over stuff that doesn't even matter in my name. Right? We get so caught up in I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. I'm the one that has the Bible figured out. I'm the one that has the Bible figured out. Listen, people that are sticking to the essential doctrines, no matter if they worship different than you, no matter if they praise different than you, they look different than you, different skin color, different way they dress, if they're holding to the doctrine of Christ, they are the body of Christ. Period. Why should we divide from that? Why? Why should we divide from that? Why should we think that we're so much better than the church down the road, than the church down the street, than the church on that one corner? Because we, you know, we get this differently, and we understand this a little bit more, and we understand deeper into this stuff. Fine, great, that's awesome. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. So why are, why are we separating over things that are menial? Why is it that we can't fellowship with the body of believers with the body of Christ, let me make that very specific, the body of God, amen, the body of Christ who believes the essential doctrines, we're so quick to quick kick them down. I've seen it over the past couple of months. You watch one video which is talking about upholding sound doctrine, and then the next video pops up talking about the 27 teachers that are in the church that are just completely wrong because one, once upon a time they said something Right? Amen? We're so quick to kick people down. There's the one side that says, no, everything's totally fine. And then we venture over to the other side. I'm the only person that's right, and everyone else doesn't matter. Not getting in. My grace is better than their grace. My works are better than their works. There's no way they're getting in because they're just dummy heads. How many like my professional language tonight? Amen? Paul says, has Christ been divided? Why, why are you separating over this little stuff? What, what's the deal? And you know something I've realized? As soon as one division starts, it's so easy for many other divisions to come up. 
All right, I've had a phone for like 13 years, okay? I've never in my life broken my phone until this past week. Everybody say, oh, Daniel, you're in trouble. I know, I broke my phone, the screen broke. Um, so I dropped it at work, right? And I've had a phone, like I said, for like 13 years. Never once did my phone just up one morning wake up and just crack, you know what I mean? It never, it never happened, okay? But this past week, I got one crack in my phone. It went across, I got my notes on here, nobody, nobody read ahead, okay? Uh, it cracked right across the screen right here, okay? One crack, one. And now it's like every day I wake up, I find a new one. Because they're all reaching to the weak point in the phone, okay? The church, when we divide over one little thing, it's so easy to find thousands of other things. When something that's been held together for 13 years without ever just waking up and just causing division and causing fault lines here and breaks here and cracks here, no, 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 it takes one week of one crack, and now my phone has like seven. I didn't drop it seven times. I dropped it once, okay? The other cracks just found their way to the weak spot. And the church were so quick to, to just rally up against the weak points. We find one thing, one little thing that's different here, and all of a sudden we have 75 different versions of Baptist. And you know that's right. Independent first, second, general, whatever, you know, Presbyterian and the, the, every day you get a new one over stuff that sometimes is a big deal. Sometimes we kind of, we probably could have worked through that, probably could have worked through that, right? Can you imagine back whenever Jesus first died in those first couple of hundred years when they didn't have to say, well, I'm a second Presbyterian church of whatever, whatever, whatever. Because I believe this, this, this. They said I'm a Christian. And I love the body of Christ. And I love the believers that are around me. And people know that I'm a Christian because I love these people. Amen? We haven't got it, okay? You think you get it, but you don't get it. Have you ever, I heard this today. I love it. Have you ever, like, told your kid to do something? And I know my kid's only three, so it's not a good example. But I'm, I'm assuming it lasts up until, like, 30-something where you say, I say, Jackson, can you, can you go do this for me, right? Can you go get this done? Can you go pick up your toys, please? And I'm like, do you get it? Do you understand? Are you going to do it? And he gives a, yeah, totally, Dad. Uh-huh. No, today. Let's use today. Jackson, go get your jacket, okay? And so he runs in his, bath, or, or his, his uh, bedroom, and he brings a shovel back. <laughs> you know? We're like, oh, yeah, uh-huh, we get it. I get it, Daniel. You don't really get it. You know, you don't really know what you're going for. You don't really know where we're going. So, so for just a minute, let's just allow God's grace to, to sanctify this, okay? So we really do get it, okay? Can we agree with that? Not just hear Daniel and then try to go do it, and then you're, you're expecting a jacket, but you come back with a shovel, okay? <laughs> let's let Christ lead us, amen? Can we agree to do that? Romans 9, uh, starting in verse 1. And we're going to uh, gonna get into the nitty-gritty. Romans 9, verse 1. This is Paul again. How many know that Romans, a beautiful, amazing book, we, we, we talk about the sinfulness of man, we talk about the, the greatness of God. Romans 7 talks about how he 
Paul feels like he's this, he's stuck in sin and he, he, he feels schizophrenic because one person's pulling over here and one person's pulling over here and I, I don't know what to do. And then eight, chapter 8 brings the freedom of the gospel and the freedom of Christ that there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that the law of the, the spirit has freed me from the law of sin and death. This is Romans 8, amen? You guys love it? Romans 8, okay. Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to their purpose. Amen. And we all jump about it, right? Um, 31. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Right? 37. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer. In one version, it says we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if you don't have a smile on right then, that's where you smile. That's the gospel. Amen. There's nothing that can separate us from God. And we take that and we sit there and we're like, thank you, Jesus. Your grace is sufficient. Your gospel is great. And then we get to Romans 9 and 1. I am telling you the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit. So he's like, what I'm about to say is I'm not making this up. I am not playing around. The Holy Spirit testifies with me. My conscience testifies with me. I am not lying. This is how I feel. After that great, amazing message, this is how Paul feels. I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. You want to read that again? That I have great sorrow and unceasing grief. Unceasing grief means every day I wake up, I'm, in, I'm grieving. I have unceasing grief in my heart. You say, Paul, well, you just got that great message. What, what's, what's the deal? What's going on? Verse 3, I could wish that I myself were accursed. There's no more air in the room, right? No more oxygen. For I could wish that I myself were accursed separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. For I could wish, and I've wrestled with this, man, for I could wish, I need help in this, I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brothers. How many feel that way? I didn't expect any hands to go up. I didn't. Because we love the grace of God. We love the gospel. Amen. I agree. It's the most beautiful thing. I mean, Chelsea texted me the other day and was like, hey, is there any good news about this situation? And, and I'm like, yeah, there's some good news. Jesus died. Jesus rose. Jesus, you know what I mean? Like, there's lots of good news in the world, babe. There's lots of it. Right? We have good news. We love it. But do we love our neighbor? Do we love our church? Really, really, really love them. Because this is what Paul says. I'm not going to go to heaven without them. I'm not. I'm not going to come to church. I'm not going to play this game. I'm not going to put on the smile. I'm not going to, to clap my hands and sing the songs without them. I could wish myself accursed for their sake. I'd rather be cut off from Christ for their sake. I'm not going without them. I'm not going without them. 
And we're so, we're so obsessed with the making sure that our denominational name is right, right? The First Presbyterian Church of the this, 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 the that, the that, Methodist, Lutheran, whatever. We're so, so, so quick to divide. We're so quick to kick people down. We see people caught in sin and we smile because we're so smart with all of our knowledge of Scripture. And Paul says, I would give, I'd give my life, I'd give my eternal life just so that these people would know the gospel so that they would accept Christ. I know that we don't think that, and I know that I don't think that because my life doesn't portray it. If I can just be honest, my life doesn't portray that. So many times I, you know, opportunity to share my faith. I don't have unceasing grief and sorrow for that person. It's like, well, it would be kind of awkward for me if I, if I brought up this conversation about Jesus. You know, I don't have unceasing grief and sorrow for, for some of the people here in this church. I mean, just be honest. Did, when's the last time that we cried over each other? Mourn with those who mourn, right? It, amen? Scripture? When's the last time that's happened? No, whenever we're in a good mood, we're happy. Whenever we're in a bad mood, we're sad. We're on a roller coaster of our own emotions when the body of Christ and the world is dying. What's wrong with us? What's wrong with me? Why have I become so comfortable in my salvation? So comfortable in my salvation that I think that, that my salvation is worth more, that, that Jesus somehow loved me more than, than my family. That Jesus somehow loved me more than the people at work. You know, I'm just the chosen and they're just whatever. Didn't we just say, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that whoever, amen? We said that we believe that, don't we? We said we believe it. But we don't act like we believe it. Because there's so many people in our lives that if we really had this unceasing grief and sorrow, we would put it into action. I would put it into action. This is where I need help. Probably bigger than anything in my life. This was the great commission given to them in Matthew 20, uh, 28, right? All power and authority has been given unto me, is what Jesus says. Go ye into all the world. How many know it? Go ye into all the world and make disciples of every creature, teaching them to observe the things which I have taught you. And lo, I am with you always till the end of the age. Go into all the world, all the world. But we're so content with making sure that, that we, you know, we're divided from the right people. And that's great. But it can't stop there. The real way for the world to know that you're a Christian is not your big theological defense for the faith. It's your love for the church. We read it at the beginning. They will know your disciples by your love for one another. How many know that it sums down to two things? It, uh, all of this, this whole thing, this whole thing. Jesus says, these are the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Amen? And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He boils it all down. He says everything, all the law and the prophets, they all hang on these two things, right? Love God, love people. Love God, 
love people. Period. Love God, love people. We get so obsessed with how we love God, and that's a great thing. It's a beautiful, amazing thing to gaze at the beauty of God, but we cannot neglect loving people. They are hand in hand. The second commandment is just like the first one. Love the Lord, and the second one is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. As yourself. Amen? Amen. When, who's on your prayer list? That's my question. What's on your prayer list? Is it, is it for the new car? Great, you know. God wants, God, I'm not saying God doesn't want to bless you with that. Is it for, you know, the, the health of your kids and your family? Fantastic. Love it. Great. But our prayer list should be riddled with, I know these people in my life. I know X, Y, and Z. I know my brothers. I know my, my, my parents. I know my kids. I know my cousins. That they don't know Christ. And if I believe what this says, if they die without knowing Christ, that they're going to spend an eternity in hell. If I believe that, and I can sit back and just, you know, sit on my faith and not share it and not be bold about it. We don't really love people. We, we don't. We don't. I don't. Let me just, I don't. I don't love people in the way that Jesus loved them. Amen? Sometimes it, it, sometimes it helps us if we, like, step out of thinking that we are Jesus Christ incarnate. And we just remember we're humans. It's hard to love people, isn't it? It's really hard to love some people. It's especially harder to love some people at work. And it's especially harder to love some people in your family, okay? You get that? Amen? took this seriously, okay? I was listening to a sermon <laughs> where he, he said that um, like 20 years ago, this is a guy named Francis Chan, like 20 years ago, um, his grandma raised him, okay? His, his parents died when he was young. Uh, his mom died in childbirth. His dad died when he was like 12. Um, so his grandma raised him for a portion of his life. And he is going to Bible college and this, this verse sticks with him, you know. I have great sorrow and unceasing grief, for I could wish myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brothers. And this, this um, takes him, and it really sticks with him, okay. And he says that his grandma has a stroke, and they didn't want to pull the plug until he got there. And so he runs to the hospital, and his grandma is Chinese, so he says that um, the grandma is brain dead that she is on her last limb, that the only thing that's keeping her alive is that is, you know, pull the plug and it's over, okay? And he says that he's leaning into her. It's just him, his brother, and his grandma in this room. And he's leaning into her, and he's just yelling at, you know, yelling in her ear about the gospel, speaking the gospel to her in Chinese, he says, as best as he can, just weeping, just pouring it out. And he's just, he's just crying it out because he knows that she's not saved. Because this has taken him, and she, he knows that she's not saved. Okay? And he's just, 
just trying to get the gospel to her. God, if you could just wake her up, if you could just have her just squeeze my hand, just get this message to her. I know you can't just save her, but you can do a miracle here. Because to, 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 I don't want to see my grandma, right, to, that she raised me. How many know that the people that you care about the most, you don't want to see them um, um, tormented in hell forever? You don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see my parents go through that. And so he's yelling at his grandma. He's like, Grandma, you were wrong. You were wrong. The gospel is this. The gospel is that. And he says, Jesus, I know you can just, you know, you can get the, you can bring her back to life for just a minute. You can do this. You can do that. And he says the EKG line goes flat and nothing happens. And he says that's the only time in his life that he wanted to take this book and toss it. Because he said, if I believe what says in here that she right now has gone to eternal torment and she's going to be there. And, and he's speaking this 20 years later. He's like, if I believe that, she's been in torment for 20 years. And I want to be kind about this. I want to be cautious about this. The next time I get the opportunity to share my faith. The, the, the people that you love and care about, that the people that are around you have a, the... Uh, they are very, very likely to die in their sins if they don't have someone to preach to them. Paul says, how are they going to know unless if someone is sent? How many know that you've been sent with the gospel by the Great Commission to go? And so he turns his attention from his grandma who passed away, and he turns it to his brother who is his older brother. And he says, Paul, you have to give your life to Christ. You, not just like a little, like, you know, okay, well, you know, thank you, Jesus, this, this, this. You've got to give it to him. You've got to release your, you've got to make him Lord and Savior in your life. This is what he's telling his brother. You've got to, like, mean it. How many could imagine speaking to their older brother like that, number one? This, this is where it settles for me. That's tough. That's tough. Because I've watched people die. And in that situation, I'm not thinking, you know, eternal grief and eternal um, sorrow in my heart. I'm thinking, you know, it's, you know, this is this and, you know, God will do this. And God. Paul's like, man, people are dying. People are going to hell. Not only in the world, in the church. And we want to spend all of our time kicking people while we're down. And he turns his attention to his brother and he's like, you got to give your life to Christ. You've got to give your life to Christ. And he says, man, I will, I will. And I, I, you know, I will. And the moral of the story is his brother ends up giving his life to Christ. He's a pastor now just along with his brother. We, don't we have someone in our mind, someone in our life, one person? If you don't have love for everybody, do you have love for one person that you know needs the gospel? Do we need to do the show of hands again? I know at least one person that I know needs the gospel and that I, I care about them. Maybe I don't care about my brother. Maybe I don't care about my sister. Let's work on that. Let's trust in the unity of God. And we have to get to that. It is a necessity to get to that. But right now, in this moment, is there one? Just one. You know their name. You know their face. Just one person. That you know, I haven't been honest with my faith about that person in the, need, in the way that I need to be. That if, if my testimony was given to that person, if my love was shown to that person in the way that Paul's talking about, 
if I really believed what the scripture says, that this salvation is not just for me, but it's for everyone, and that I don't want to go to heaven without seeing that person next to me. I don't want to go to heaven without seeing that person next to me. I think that's therapeutic. Can we say that? Can we, that I think that'll get us some boldness. Say, I, that if you think about that person, okay, you have that person in mind, at least one, right? I don't want to go to heaven without that person next to me. I don't. I don't. My heart is in constant grief and anguish because I know that there are people who are going to die that I love that because I was too silent, because I was so worried about my doctrine, because I was so worried about the this and the that and this, the schematics and the words and the, the, the stuff, just stuff. Stuff that has got me away from the Great Commission, which is to go to that person, to share the good news with them, to be instant in season and out of season, to help that person, to go with that person, and to say, listen, I know that you're, you're, you're you know, living in sin. I know that you're this. I know that you're that. So was I. So was I, man. And Jesus Christ saved me. He loved me. He wants to, he wants to cherish us forever. And I don't want to go without you. I don't want to go there without you. That this isn't just something Paul made up, okay? Let's go to Exodus 32. Just, you don't even have to turn there. It'll be on the screen. Because I want to I want to go through this. Exodus 32, okay? So Exodus 32, Moses is up on the mountaintop. On Mount Sinai. Okay? Mount Sinai, and uh, he's getting the Ten Commandments, and what are the Israelites doing? They're worshiping the golden calf, okay? A sinful people, a sinful church, and you got one righteous guy out of all of them, okay? And uh, this is what God says. Uh, Let's see. Oh, you're in Exodus 32. Let's go to... Thirty-one. So Moses is talking to God now. Because God says, listen, Moses, I'll just wipe them out. The wages of sin is death, right? They can just all die. I'll just, I'll start a new nation out of you. And Moses has to intercede for the people. And Moses goes again to the Lord in verse 31 and said, alas, this people has committed a great sin. And they have made a God of gold for themselves. But now... If you will, forgive their sin. And if not, please blot me out of the book which you have written. When's the, when's the last time we've gotten so serious about the lost? When we, when's the last time we've gotten so serious about our family? Our mothers, our brothers, our, our sons, our daughters who, who are not with Christ? When's the last time you said, God, I, I get down on my face right now. If you're not going to save them, take me out too. If I know that your grace was sufficient for me, I know that your grace is sufficient for them, do it. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. Amen? Amen? If if your grace was enough to save a sinner like me, God, who didn't even get today right, 
Your grace is enough to reach to the lowest valley, to reach to the highest mountain, and they're able to come with me. I'm not going to go by myself. I'm not going to go without them. I am not going to go without them. And so by doing that and by saying that, I am going to do everything I can to love them, to serve them, to show them the goodness of Christ, to show them the grace and the mercy of the gospel that I believe in. Amen? This is the thing. The scripture says that Jesus leaves the 99 to find the one. And we're all like, oh, yeah, okay, would he really, you know, 99 is a lot of sheep to have. You wouldn't really care about that one. Okay, think about this. You wouldn't think too much about it until it's your kid. Okay? Doesn't matter how many kids you have. What I've found so far is the more kids you have, the more your love just expands. It doesn't diminish. You just have more love for more, you know what I mean? I'm about to have four, and I'm sure that they're all going to be loved equally. Right? Some people in here have, no. (laughs) He, He says, I mean. You know, you have, huh? You have nine? Okay, so at, at nine is whenever it splits off. But for four, it's still fine. <laughs> it happened at four? Okay. <laughs> all right, listen. God made us all. <laughs> God made us all. We're, all. we're all children of God. Amen? Amen? He, he crafted us all. He designed us all. We are all his children. If your child, I don't care how many kids you have, if one child decides to leave and, and, and move somewhere else and, and you know, spit in your face and, and talk, talk a bunch of stuff about you and do this and do that, I don't care how many other kids you have, your family is not complete until you get that one back. Amen? You, you're going to be going around like crazy, just worried. You know, all the, all the other kids that you have are going to be like, you know, mom, dad, you know, it's okay, it's all right. No, it's not all right because my kid is out there and he needs help. He needs saving. That's, that is what it says that Jesus does. He says, listen, all y'all in this church, that's great. I'm so thankful, but there are so many people out there lost and dying, and my family's not complete until you compel them to come in. It's not complete. My family is not complete, is what God says. It's not complete. My church isn't complete until you do my great commission, which is to go and to invite them all in. Invite them all in. We need a more diverse church. I'm not talking about just race, okay? I'm talking about diversity. Jesus had, here's the thing. Jesus had a lot of exes. <laughs> not, not, not like that. Jesus had a lot of exes show up to his, to his sermons, okay? A lot of exes just show up whenever he went to, to sit and eat with people, right? He had a lot of ex-prostitutes. He had a lot of ex-drug addicts. He had a lot of ex-adulterers. He, he sat and ate with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes, right? And we're like, okay, so that means that we're supposed to go and be like them. No, 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 no. He invited them in for a change. He invited them in so that they could receive the gospel. And our church... Our churches need to stop wanting everyone that walks through those doors to look just like us and to conform just like us. Those people are different than us. But they're sinners just like we were. We need more of them. We need more homosexuals here. We need more transsexuals. We need more drug addicts. We need more all of the stuff so that we can give them the goodness of the gospel. So that there can be X, all of those, sitting in these seats. Because such were some of all of you. Amen? Somebody say, I'm an ex. 
I'm an ex. I, I, I used to do this, but I'm not anymore. I used to be that, but I'm not anymore. So who am I to say who is allowed to come through those doors? Who am I to say it is able to receive the grace of God and the goodness of God? The spirit and the bride say, come. Revelations. We're about done. Somebody say, hurry, Daniel. You weren't supposed to say that. <laughs> Simon didn't say. Simon says, say, hurry, Daniel. Um, uh, Revelations 22. Jesus wraps it up, right? Jesus wraps it up. Is that where it's at? Hang on a second. I'm going to go to my broken phone, which is loving division right now. Um, don't you love Don't you love Google? Amen. Say, I love God and I love Google. No, no, no. <laughs> there we go. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I was looking for red letters. It's not red letters in my Bible. Revelations twenty two seventeen. okay? Here's Jesus wraps it all up, okay? Jesus wraps it all up. He says, listen, the whole book, all of it, is revealed in this revelation of me here at the end. And this is, this is, where, this is where it's wrapped up. John writes this. The spirit and the bride say come. And let the one who hears say come. That's you. You're hearing it, right? So that means you need to say come. Come. Come, all right? Let he who hears it say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come. How many of you know some thirsty people in the world? Thirsty, thirsty people. Let him who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost. Let the one who is thirsty come. That's, that's, what, it, that's what it all boils down to. We're not saying this is our set of rules, this is what you do, this is what you don't. No, no, no. The gospel, the church, is just an invitation to the wedding. We're just wedding invitations. Just think of yourself as that, okay? We're just wedding invitations. At the end of all times, there's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. And anyone who is wearing the wedding garments will be welcomed in. So all we're doing is saying, listen, come. Come. Let everyone who hears come. If you're thirsty, come. If, if you need breakthrough, come. If you need healing, come. Not, not because we want you to look a certain way. Not because we want you to act a certain way or praise a certain way or worship a certain way. Not because we want you to be the first general Presbyterian Baptist of, of New Orleans, whatever. Because we want you to come to the wedding. We just want you to come to the wedding. We want you to be a follower of Christ. We want to be the body of Christ. How many want to be the body of Christ? Paul said this, if you keep on biting and devour, or if you keep on biting one another, be careful that you don't destroy one another. We've got to stop biting our own body. None of us are important without each other. None, none of us. I'm not important without you guys. I'm up here with a microphone talking to an empty church. Amen? As if we look at it in a practical way. Okay, so we're the, we're the body of Christ, and it's been given to all to be different members of the body. Okay, this is scripture again. Let's think about this. Who, you know, <laughs> who wrote the song, you know, uh, How He Loves? It wasn't John Mark McMillan's hand. It was John Mark McMillan, okay? Who, who won the, you know, the, the Olympic world record? Usain Bolt, right? It wasn't Usain Bolt's foot. Because without the body, the foot is useless. Without the body, the hand is useless. 
they didn't, they didn't do that stuff, and they didn't achieve that stuff because they went out on their own. Those things happened because the body was working together in order. The foot needed the leg, the, 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 this, that, and the other, you know? It needed every part in order to do its accomplished work. He wouldn't have been able to do it without his eyes, okay? He wouldn't have been able to do it without his, his arms. He wouldn't have been able to do it without his feet, obviously. You know, Usain Bolt, the super fast runner. His feet didn't do it. So why do we think that we're the one that, that, that does all the good stuff in the world? That, oh, you know, I helped out in Habitat for Humanity, and I gave my tithes, and I did this, and I did that. And I did. You can't do anything, and you're not important without the whole body supporting you and coming together. So why is it that we want to, man, don't pluck your eye out. It's the body of, of God. Don't do that. When there's a member that, that you need for your edification and your building up, don't, don't hammer on him. You need him. Don't hammer on your pastor. Don't hammer on your brother, on your sister. Don't take them out. You need them. They very well could, could be the, 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 the salvation you need one day. You're so busy talking about sister so-and-so until she gets a million dollars. You know? You're so busy talking about Mr. This and Mr. That until he becomes the pastor. And, and then he's leading the flock. Or you're so busy talking about the pastor until one day, you know, he leads the church into a move of God, into a revival, and you're too busy gossiping that you stay back in your seat. Watch that we don't bite at each other and we don't devour one another. We have to prove to this world that we are Christ followers, not by, by how theologically correct we are, but by how much we love each other and how much we love this world. That we would say, I would give it all up, and I would give it all away to see that person there with me. I would, I would lay it all down on the line to see that person there with me. I have unceasing grief and sorrow in my heart. Not because the gospel is not good, but because that there are some people who don't know how good the gospel really is. There are some people who are going to hell. They will die today, and they will go to hell. That should be such a burden on us because that could be your family member. That could be your church family. That could be someone you know. It just happens like that. It's, life is a vapor. You breathe in, you breathe out, and it's done. So what are we doing with the time that we have to say, listen, I, thank God for this salvation. It's so good that I'm not going to sit on it. Because Jeremiah says, if I sat on the word, it would be like a fire in my bones. I would burn up from the inside if I'm not able to get this message out. If I'm not able to proclaim the goodness of God to my family, to my friends, to my coworkers. How many need help in this area? I have both hands. I need help in this area. I need to love the world more. I need to love my church brothers and sisters more. I do. I'm being so honest. This isn't something that I've learned out of experience. This is the truth of the Bible. This is just the truth of the Bible. And a lot of times we don't want to venture here because we're not willing to, to step there. You know, we don't want to read that chapter because it, it's, it's tough to face something like that. It's convicting to think that, uh, hey, what's up there in there, brother? Yeah, go ahead and put it in there. Man, you're in a, you're in a trip. You need to tie your shoes, man. 
we we're just we're just so caught up in our in our thoughts, and we're so caught up in our, our structures and our buildings, and they're the nicest, and they're the best, and we have the best programs, and the best this, and the best music, and the best that, and we've forgotten that we have the best good news, the best gospel, the best Jesus, the best salvation, the best grace, the best mercy. I'm not going to invite people to church because I want them to have a nice little feel-good goosebumps time. I'm going to be the church wherever I am because they need Christ. Because they could die tonight. Because they could die tomorrow. I'm not going to put it aside. I'm not going to lay it aside. Because there's going to come a time when they're laying on the hospital bed and you can't say anything to them anymore. Not one word. But you can say it now. You can be it now. And you can live it now. Oh, God, help me in this. Help me in this. Let's just make that our prayer. Help me in this. Help me in this. This was the this was the prayer that Leonard Ravenhill um, penned in a book called Why Revival Tarries. He just said this: "Give me souls, lest I die." It's that's my one. That's your one purpose of being here, really. Paul said it would be better if I was just gone, but for your sake, I'm going to stay. But for your sake, I'd rather be alive. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Like, that's better for me. I would rather not be here. There's, there's so many troubles in the world. There's so much stuff in the world. that None of this stuff is going to give us pleasures. It would be better for us to just get to heaven right now, okay? Let's be honest. It would. It would. Heaven would be much more pleasant. But that's not what Jesus said. He didn't say, okay, time to go and take them up with him. He said, now you go into the world and compel them to come. Because it's not going to be heaven. It's not going to be complete if it's only 99. We got to get that one. We got to get that one. Michael Dennigan shared the story of the, a couple weeks ago of this, uh, the little boy out on the shore. If Alicia could come up. The little boy out on the shore. Right? And um, the tide came in and all of these sea stars gets left up on the, 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 the shore of the beach. Right? And there's millions and millions of sea stars. And so this little boy, he wants to help him. So he, he grabs the sea stars. He knows that they're going to die laying out on this beach. So he grabs the sea stars, and he starts to throw them in, you know, one by one. One by one. He gets it, throws it in. Gets it, throws it in. There's an old man that comes up, and he says, listen, man, there's no way. It is impossible for you to help all of these sea stars. There's millions of them. There's miles and miles of beach. All of these sea stars. There's no way you're going to be able to make a difference in all of these people's lives. There's no way. And the little boy picks up another one. He says, I might not be able to help all of them, but I helped that one. I helped that one. I helped that one. I shared my faith with that one. I might not be able to save the world. We're not superheroes. We can't just go out and save the world, but we can, we can help with the people that we know. We can be loving people of God. Say, I might not be able to help everybody, but I can help you. I can help you. I can help you. I can share my faith. I can share the gospel here. I can love here. I can serve here. I can give here. I don't, I don't, listen, I don't want to make it to heaven without you guys. I don't want I don't want one person in here. I don't want to I don't want to live with that burden. To know that because I didn't say something or because I did say something that one of us ends up in an eternal hell. 
I don't, I don't want that burden on me, man. That's, that's heavy, you know? I want to see everybody there. I want to see all your faces there, even the people I don't get along with, amen? Amen? If, if you, if you, I'm not going to make this a big deal. I want to pray, pray with you guys, not for with, okay? If you said, man, I just need help in this area. I just need help in this area. Why don't you come up here? Let's pray together. Um, if you just say, man, I need help, God. I want to approach your throne room right now, your throne room of grace, and, and, and ask for help in this. I don't always just need help to make things better for me. I need help because I need, to, I need boldness to share this, world, this word with this world. I need help to believe John 3.16. I need help, God. If you'd like to come, just just come, stand, kneel, whatever whatever you need to do. Let's just be honest with God right now. And God, I need help. I I need help. Me, Daniel Williams, right now, God, I need help with this. This is one.